But I just want to encourage us, we've been going on a whole journey about being spiritual people, and uh, I've just uh, tried to encourage the church that uh, just because we gather together on a Sunday, just because we fill buildings, doesn't mean that we are spiritual people. It means that we might be disciplined people, it means that we might tick boxes, we might uh, try and appease a conscience. There are many reasons why people go to church, but just because people gather together in a building and call it church doesn't mean we're spiritual, right? Do you understand that? We're a spiritual people because we allow the Holy Spirit to rule and reign in our hearts and lives. We allow the Holy Spirit to rule our souls and our bodies. Amen. So over the last little while, just been unpacking that, trying to show a bunch of things. Want to encourage us as a church this morning. Want to even say this very carefully. Um, but I want to say, if we have been taking strain in South Africa and uh, things have been difficult and challenging in our lives, and we're so excited and so grateful, and we've been waiting for a shift and a change in leadership, and a change in the government, and a change in, in the things, in the hierarchy of our land, uh, so that the rand can increase, so that the economy can get better, so that we can uh, uh, get a little bit uh, more uh, cash in the pockets, and all those wonderful reasons, I want to tell you that that's probably not a spiritual person. Because you and I, as spiritual people, have been given the authority and the power, and we don't have to wait for any change. We are change. We are living realities of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the Bible's very, very, very clear on that. And I want to unpack a couple of things this morning that helps us because I've been trying to uh, join a couple of dots in terms of what a spiritual person. A lot of people here, a lot of people have come and said to me, Grant, you need to help me understand. And uh, for those that are here for, for, for the first time, maybe you haven't heard me, it'll be good to, to go to the website and to, and to un unpack a little bit of that. But I want us to firstly understand that what you see in front of you, this amazing, good-looking body, is actually... Um, that's not just uh, who I am. There's a lot more to me. Who I am in reality. <laughs> There's a lot more to me, yes. The reality. <laughs> but I'm not going to show you. <laughs> There's a reality here that I am a spirit. Amen. I have a soul and I live in this body. And my spirit and soul, the incorporeal or, or the non-tangible physical part of me that you can't see is actually who I am. And this body, the part that you do see, is just my tent. Amen. How many of you don't go camping, whatever, and walk up to the tent and want to meet the person and go, oh, more beautiful camp master, how are you, and gorgeous, and, and, and start loving and cuddling up to the tent? No, actually, the tent zip opens and somebody walks out of it, and you go, hi, how are you? Amen. There's a reality inside of me is who I really am, this, and you need to get to know me, so you got to unzip the tent a little bit, which means that to get to know people, you have to spend a little bit of time. Amen. That's for free. So stay afterwards at Hebrews Cafe, get to know a bunch of people, unzip the tent a little bit, find out who they are, because who they really are is inside of them. What you see is not quite who they are. Amen. That was just a side thing. So the reality is that there's spirit, soul, and body, and our spirit man, we all heard this, and so I'm recapping very fast this morning, that our spirit man, when Adam and Eve sinned, and, uh, and sin came into their lives, our spirit man died. It didn't, we didn't physically die, you saw that, but he died because 
uh, uh, they died because they were separated from God. When they were separated from God, their spirit man no longer controlled their soul and their body, which made them one, which the glory of the Lord, the life of God, the unity and the flow of the spirit could no longer flow through every single part of their being. The minute that happened, friends, they started to become flesh. And when they became flesh, so their life began to diminish because flesh sin began to enter into flesh and the soul and the spirit and the soul basically became one. So Jesus comes along and he restores that all back by dying on the cross for us. And the simple understanding this morning is that he breathed back life back into our spirit. Amen. Going quickly, just because the recap, you, need it, you can go listen to it on, on the website. But, and when he made our, our soul alive again, he didn't just leave us there, but then he gave us Holy Spirit to come and be resident inside of our soul. Amen. And when he became resident inside of our soul, the Holy Spirit began to uh, uh, make his habitation in our lives. It gave us the ability now to take control over our soul and over our bodies and to be this new creature, uh, this uh, prototype that Christ came and, 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 um, and displayed for us. We now, he was the first fruits. We now can be like him. And that's how our spirit man begins to rule and reign over our bodies, begins to operate the way God always did. The head and the body come together and the same life begins to flow through both. We got that. So when you see church, when you see church, you should see the body and you should see Jesus and you should see the same life. I feel like I'm about to run a race. Amen. That is the reality of the gospel. If it looks differently, it's not the gospel. Which means we have to go back to the truth and we have to allow the truth to invade our hearts and our lives and to chase out all the aliens so that we take authority back again and so that we can live according to the truth because when you know truth, it'll set you free. Amen. So I'm unpacking it fast, but let me, so, so I want us to go quickly to uh, Matthew chapter three this morning. Matthew chapter three. I want to read two verses, Matthew chapter 3, verse, let me read from verse 11. This is a story of John the Baptist, and John the Baptist is, uh, he's uh, baptizing people, and um, he says these amazing words, they're revolutionary words. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier then I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Whenever I say that word, you can't say that word calmly. He'll baptize you with water. But when he baptized, Jesus has come to baptize you with fire. Amen. There's some reality, church, that we've just missed in the gospel that we need to grab hold of again because the church should never be as passive as the world. I don't know if you understood there what, what John the Baptist was saying, but there was a difference, an element change. John the Baptist said, I came and I'm baptizing you in water, cold water. But Jesus is coming and he's gonna baptize you in the Holy Spirit and Fire! How many know that water and fire are very different and they do different things? The Bible makes it very clear to us. We can go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 if you want to. Otherwise, I'll just go there 
for you. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. It says this. But it says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. So there is a reality here that there is a condition in order for to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. One condition, one important condition, we need to understand that condition, and that condition simply is that we need to have the blood of Jesus wash us clean. Amen. We need to be baptized in water. Cold water. To wake us up and get the reality, and that's why it goes on. If you carry on reading there, it says, he who says he has no sin is a liar. What they're trying to, uh, what, what the scripture and what 1 John is trying to explain there in the context of that simple day was that there were a bunch of people that thought they didn't have any sin and they were all wonderful. And he's explaining to them that if you say you don't have sin, which what they were basically saying is you don't need a savior, then you're a liar. Every single one of us, for every single one of us have fallen short of the glory of God because we have sinned. And the wages of sin is death, friends. So first and foremost, every single person here today must have bowed their knee to Jesus and asked Jesus to come in and to wash them clean. Amen. To wash them supernaturally, wonderfully clean. That's the only condition in order for us to receive Holy Spirit. We need to be washed clean. If you have, if, listen to it again very quickly. It says here, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all our sin. So what happens is we get cleansed, and when we get cleansed, and the blood of Jesus washes us all clean, God can now take Himself and us, and He can put us together so that we can have fellowship. Fellowship with Him and fellowship with one another. There's a supernatural understanding that's taking place here. First, there's baptism in water. What is baptism in water? We are dying to self, and then we are coming out. We are raised from the dead. We are raised anew and now seated in Christ. We have been washed completely clean. He has cleaned the two together, and He has now, as the two are together, we can now be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's like super glue, and it puts us together and makes us one. We got that. You understand that? When the Holy Spirit puts us together and we have fellowship with Him. Many different scriptures, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, you can go have a look at it. It says, Whom God, when God joins together, He makes them one spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, verse 14, it says, For the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. There is a joining together in order for there to be fellowship, a fellowship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and joins with us, and now there's constant fellowship. Amen. So taking that picture and understanding John the Baptist here, John the Baptist is saying that I come and I baptize you with water, cold water, but there's a completely different river That because of what Christ came to do, friends, he has a river of liquid fire 
that he wants to baptize us in. When we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, we get liquid fire released, filled in our lives. I was gonna do a demonstration this morning, but there was nobody who was willing to be an example. I was gonna douse somebody with petrol and set them on fire. Because I wanted to show you a little bit about fire. That when there's fire, there's heat. How many know that fire and heat go together? How many know when there's heat, there's action? None of you know. Okay, we're going to walk through that. It's an amazing thing. Let me explain it like this. It's an amazing thing that John the Baptist, he comes and he speaks and he says, I baptize you with water, but one who is coming after me, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to tie, who's greater than me, he's gonna baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. Matthew 3. Matthew 11, John the Baptist in jail, speaking to his disciples. He's going, I don't know if this guy is really that guy. Because I said I was baptizing with water, but he was baptizing with fire. But I'm not sure. Doubt is trying to creep into my mind. Go ask him if he is the one and whether we should be looking for somebody else. And so the disciples go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, are you the one? John the Baptist is asking. And what does Jesus answer? Jesus answers, said, the dead are raised. The blind see. The deaf hear. Lepers are cleansed. There's something about fire. Acts chapter one, verse eight. And you will receive a whoop-de-doo when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Acts chapter two. And they were all together in the upper room. And suddenly there was a sound like the rushing of a mighty wind. And God said, oops, pardon me, I burped. There was the sound of a mighty wind, friends. Acts chapter two. When did you last read Acts chapter two? I'll read it to you. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house they were sitting. Where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Here's an amazing picture. There's a sound of a mighty rushing wind 
And then suddenly, there are tongues of fire that rest. Friends, there were 120 people in that upper room. Tongues of fire that rested on every single one of their heads. Is God a respecter of persons? It didn't say, and there was a guy there and he had a little tongue of fire. There was another guy roaring, another lady, roaring tongue. And every single one of them had a tongue of fire resting on their heads. Because God is not interested in uh, uh, different values and all this. He just comes with his Holy Spirit and he loves to fill all those that are hungry. All those who have given their life and have have surrendered their life to him and allowed their lives to be washed by the blood of Jesus. How many know if you remember John chapter 20, I think it's verse 22, round about there, when all the disciples are after the uh, crucifixion and um, the resurrection, they're all in the room, they've closed all the doors, they're scared of the Jews and they're just praying and Jesus comes through the walls into the room and he says, peace, and then it says he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. They get saved. That's not a baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's salvation. But the reality is here, why wind? And why wind before fire? Woo. I love wind. Not all wind. <laughs> but the Bible says, it calls the spirit in the Hebrew, it's called pneuma, or riach in the Hebrew. It means wind. The Holy Spirit is wind. And he needs to blow everything, all the chaff and everything out before he brings fire. But there's something about wind and fire, church, that we've got to understand. Do you know that if we close all the windows and doors here and we switch off all the air cons and all what have you and we, we close everything in and the wind's not able to move, guess what? This is an incredible scientific revelation that you have to think very hard now. But if the wind's not moving, it's not wind. Don't need to explain that. Okay, now, if you take wind and you stop it from moving, guess what? It's incredible. It's no longer, hi, nice to see you. It's no longer wind. Amen? So wind by its very nature is doing what, church? It's moving, moving, right? It's always moving. We have the wind of the Holy Spirit inside of us. In the very beginning, the Holy Spirit was hovering and moving on the face of the earth. The Holy Spirit is always moving, friends. He's active. Fire is always active. The Holy Spirit is always active. It's moving. It's flowing in our lives. He's operating. He's doing things, friends. We are not a passive people. A spiritual people that are yielded to God, are, the Holy Spirit's moving and is active, is flowing in their lives. The only way you can stop the wind, friends, is if you stick it in a jar. Why am I telling you this? I also wanna throw this out. I'm careful how to say this. Please hear this right. Because I've preached on looking at it from another angle, but I wanna just preach it from this angle this morning. 
You don't have to create an atmosphere. What we need to do in the mornings is we need to sing songs, whatever, and create an atmosphere for God to move. You just need to let the wind blow. You are walking wind. Not because of what you ate last night. You are walking wind, friends, that's actively flowing and blowing all the time. And the only way it's not going to be wind is if you can it. If we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we've been filled with the Holy Spirit, then we are active, vibrant balls of wind and fire. Let me, I'll throw this out and unpack it another time maybe, but we don't make Holy Spirit move. Holy Spirit moves us. You see, the word baptism in the Bible, it actually comes from a, a technical word. It comes from a commercial a word. The word baptism had to do with uh, the dyeing of fabrics. So when it was used in the Bible days, uh, when they wrote about it, they were taking it out of a commercial context about uh, a dyeing a fabric. What they used to do is take the fabric and they used to uh, dip the fabric into the dye. Slowly dip the fabric into the dye and then they used to pull the fabric out. What happened is the dry fabric would go and get immersed into the dye and the dye would come into the fabric. And when they pulled it out, the fabric had, been, had changed. We get dipped into the Holy Spirit, this dry fabric, and the fabric goes into Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit goes into the fabric, and then we change. The Bible says, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you will receive power from on high to be My witnesses. How many been a witness? The rest don't have Holy Spirit. See, when we get baptized by Holy Spirit, the fabric changes, the color changes. I'm filled with power and I'll become a witness. If I don't become a witness, I've got to ask myself the question whether I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Right? This is not heavy, deep stuff, friends. This is just simply the Word of God. And as a church, we've got to sit down and ask ourselves the question. Isn't that right? We ask ourselves the questions. We gather together as the people of God. Why are we gathering together? We're not here waiting for a better day. We're not grabbing hold of promises and grabbing so that our lives can be better. Friends, one of the key things about the Holy Spirit and one of the key things about a spiritual person is they realize that to, die, to not die, friends, and to live for themselves is a sin. 
and I'll unpack that. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. A spiritual person has realized that I have to die, friends. I have to give him the keys to the whole house. I can't invite him into the whole ground floor or to one room. I have to give him the whole house. When I give him the whole house, he comes and he floods in. And then, friends, when somebody comes knocking at my door, I don't have to worry, I can sleep. Because there's authority in that house. See, that's why we have to understand why we're called spiritual people, friends. We are not of this planet or of this earth. We are completely different. We are not natural. We are not going on, friends. Half the church is trying to deal in the natural with something that's a spiritual problem. And although we love it, friends, and, and I think it's a good thing and it's great in the, in, for South Africa and all those great things, friends, the answer to South Africa's challenges is not a new government. The answer to South Africa's challenges is for the church to arise and shine, for the church to finally arise as sons and daughters. The earth is groaning, not for a new president. The earth is groaning for the sons and the daughters of God to arise. For the light has come. Amen. To rise as spiritual people, that we win, that we fire, and we shift, and we change. We don't have to wait for atmospheres. If I walk into a room, the wind will change the atmosphere. The Holy Spirit will create. If I will let him and be a spiritual person, friends. The reality is you cannot be a spiritual person, friends, and not walk by the Spirit. You cannot walk throughout the week in the flesh as a carnal individual and expect to be a spiritual person. Friends, this morning, if I can get you to understand that when Jesus came to this earth, he never came to judge. He never came to condemn. He never came to put a heavy on anybody. The Bible says that he came to seek and save that which was lost. He came to redeem. He came to love us. Every single one of us, he would lay his life down. He wants to take away guilt, condemnation, and shame. He wants to lift that all off you, and he wants to restore you back to the rightful place of what was lost, friends. And what was lost, your position, your identity in God of who you really are. You're a son and a daughter. And when he restored you back to that, friends, he didn't just say, right, okay, as soon as that happens, up to heaven. He said, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you, Myself, I'm gonna give you a spirit of Christ. I'm gonna give you a spirit of grace. I'm gonna give you Holy Spirit that will empower you, enable you to be me on this earth, my hands and my feet, my body, to express me because the job's only half done. There's a whole bunch of other people that don't know now that he's gone back and he's seated at the right hand 
of the Father. Understand, I'm gonna drop out something now very quickly. I will unpack it. But let me just explain something very quickly to you. He was the prototype. He came to this earth, friends. He lived the perfect life. He died. He, he rose again, friends. He conquered every single thing, sin, death, and all of that. That's why I went to the grave uh, uh, and he, he squashed it, friends. He made an open display of the enemy. He did everything, friends. And then he went back and sat at the right hand of God. And Hebrews chapter 10 tells us that he conquered everything and he made everything, his enemies, a footstool for him. But then we have to go on a little bit. One Corinthians 15 tells us that he is sitting there waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. What's the difference, friends? The reality is, friends, what he accomplished, what he did was in the spiritual realm. Friends, now he's given you and I the mandate. He's already achieved it and accomplished it. That's why he could say it's finished. It wasn't a lie. It is finished, friends. But he gave us the incredible privilege and the honor and the mandate, friends, to cause us now who are now seated with him in heavenly places so we also sit in his authority and we can now make his enemies our footstool and when that's done friends the bible says in the end of the age it's going to fold up whatever and god's going to uh, jesus is going to go back to the father and give him back because he's under submission to the father now, I said a whole lot there, but I want us to understand something. We have an incredible mission and a mandate, something that God has done and finished through His Son, and He said it is finished, and He has conquered every single enemy, every single thing. He's made an open display of them. They are embarrassed. They have been already shamed, and He's put them all underneath His feet, and then He gives us the privilege of being His body. He's sitting up there in the realms of heaven, inviting us to go and be seated with Him in heavenly places from that realm of authority, friends, but to carry out His mandate and His plan in this earth and make all these enemies literally our footstool and underneath our feet. And we carry his purpose and his plan. And the way we carry his purpose and his plan is he's given us Holy Spirit. And in the powering of Holy Spirit, I'm able to do that. And the Holy Spirit is not just some little Holy Spirit high. The Holy Spirit, just like Jesus, friends, is not intimidated by our weakness. Just like Jesus, friends, he died. He never came to shame. He never came to blame. He never came to put guilt on you. He came to redeem you. Friends, just like the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's not concerned and all shaky about your weaknesses. Jesus said he is the helper. He came to comfort. He came to help. Friends, weakness attracts him. Change your way of thinking. Repent. Shake any of the other Shut up our Sunday off of uh, the stuff off our lives to realize Holy Spirit isn't schizophrenic. He's not jumping here and there. He loves you and I. He came to dwell permanently. He lives inside of us and he's not scared about your weaknesses. He came to help you in your weaknesses, friends. He's empowered us and we get stronger and stronger in him. And it's him who's doing it, friends. That's why the Bible can say we need to change. There's been a shift, there's been a change. And I could go through all the scriptures, but it's gone way past. <laughs> the reality is, we, can, we have a look, 2 Corinthians chapter three will tell you that we're ministers of a new covenant. That we're no longer ministering under the letter of the law or the code or the things written down heavy, but we're actually ministering by the spirit in the newness of the spirit. There's been a complete shift and change, wow. And we as the people of God have got to catch that there's been a shift. And who am I? Wow, I've changed now. And then he says, because you've changed, there's been a shift and a change. Do you understand it? People go to this place and they go to that place to worship the Lord. But I wanna tell you today that actually, and now is the time where people will be worshipers in spirit and in truth. 
They will worship in spirit, friends. It's changed. There's something that shifted. Ephesians chapter six and verse, I think it's 18, says something incredible. It says, praying in the spirit at all times. How do you pray in the spirit at all times, friends? It's been a shift. There's been a change. I'm praying in the spirit. Woo! How do we do that, friends? It means every single prayer. Romans chapter eight. When we, I don't know how to pray. In simple terms, you can't walk in the spirit, friends, with any arrogance. You come with humility. I have nothing, no ability to offer God except my obedience. When I come before him with the Holy Spirit, friends, obedience, that's why obedience is way better than sacrifice. Obedience, friends, obedience to the Spirit of God. So we've got to offer Him. We yield to Holy Spirit. We let Him come. We say we don't know how to pray. Every single prayer originates or should originate from the Spirit of God. Every single prayer. That will change and shatter some mindsets. Friends, God's will and our will never mix. There's his will, friends. That's what I love, Gabriel. You can take this as you go to Holland, Netherlands. You see, when you live in this world, when you live as a carnal being, what people do is they go to work. See, work is a place. And they go to work. And they come home from work. See, God... It's not like that. Woo. My heart's racing. See, God calls us and sends us to go do His work. You get that? You see, I don't know the business or the company, but the company sending Gabriel to Netherlands and he's gonna go to work and he's gonna go work there. And while he's in the Netherlands, he can say, Lord, is there something you want me to do? I need to go and do, go to work and do this. And God says, Gabriel, I have called you and I've appointed and anointed you and I'm sending you to the Netherlands to do my work. Which means that your life is not about the business that you are physically going and sitting in a workplace. Your whole mandate is the work of the Lord. From the time you wake up to the time you finish, friends, you cannot can wind. Let's all close our eyes. Let's gather together today. Let's open the can. We'll count to three. Let the Holy Spirit do His thing. Today, we are going to be vibrant, active people. Are you ready? Friends, I'm a vibrant, active person every single day because I have Holy Spirit inside of me and His wind and His fire. 
Now, I haven't even got to what I wanted to say, but I'll end with this this morning and just simply say this. There's something about fire that I like. Because in the realm of the spirit, friends, it's a done deal. And God calls things that are not as though they were. Why? Because he lives in that realm. And I'm one with him. We are one spirit. And it's spirit to spirit communing together, friends. That's why in prayer, friends, it's about communing with God in the spirit realm. And when I commune with God, when he speaks to me and I receive that which he is speaking to me, then, friends, my mind has to put that and interpret that into an understanding, into words. So how, because that's why we speak with the mind and we speak in the spirit, friends. It's no good just speaking in the spirit. Nobody knows what the heck's going on, right? That's why there has to be interpretation, friends. But then when I'm getting it from the spirit, I'm all, it's always in line with what God's doing. It's all perfect, friends. So now I'm going in the spirit, friends, and I'm finding out what God is saying. Now when I come down here, I, I find an Abraham. And when I find an Abraham or Abram, and I tell him, father of many nations, what am I, lying? Deceived, cuckoo. The guy hasn't got any children. His wife's barren. Come on, it's in the Bible, friends. Either God was the most mentally unstable person that ever met, or he's got some kind of revelation understanding that he wants us to catch. While others saw a shepherd boy, God saw a king, friends. When we understand in the spiritual realm what's a done deal, what God has done, friends, our responsibility is to bring the spiritual realm, bring it into our understanding according to his will, according to his purpose, in obedience to him, friends, not my desire, not my will, not what I want, what he wants, friends. And then I bring it in and I begin to declare it, friends. I don't care if anyone thinks I'm cuckoo. I, my job is to declare it into this realm, friends, and to call things that are not as though they were because I know they are. And I can begin to shift and change because I'm a spiritual person. Not because I'm waiting for an atmosphere and a whole bunch of people. And we can all sit there. Ooh. Okay, I'm ready now. Open the jar. Come on, friends, it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit's within, inside of us. He's working, friends. I don't care if you spent time with the Lord. I don't care if you didn't spend time with the Lord. I don't care if you read your Bible, didn't read your Bible. Do you know Holy Spirit? And as Courtney was saying there, it's not difficult, friends, just shift your head. He's right there, friends. He wants to work, he's operating in our lives. There are so much that we will get to to unpack, friends, but I'm trying to get us to realize we are incredibly powerful people. And when God set us apart and he set us for this task, friends, it was never about the natural. Dear God, for the church to celebrate and stay on their backsides and say, well, hopefully the rain's gonna increase and then things are gonna get better, times are gonna get better, we're gonna, we're gonna get increases in salaries and we're gonna do a whole bunch of stuff, friends. We've missed the gospel. We're spiritual people wanting to release the presence and power of God over people's lives and change people's lives because we are not subject to whatever is going on, friends. There's fire and there's wind that's wanting to blow and wanting to vibrantly flow through our lives. And no matter what situation and when we can, we're in, we can change it. But the second part of this whole equation, friends, is they had to come washed in the blood of the lamb, but they had to come in faith. 
without faith it's impossible to please God. And Jesus says, when I return, will I find big houses? Will I find people successful? Cars, homes in the Cape. Will I find faith? Will I find faith? Do you have faith this morning to believe that the Holy Spirit wants to fill you? The Holy Spirit wants to saturate you. He wants you to dip your life into Him. He's not talking about a sprinkling. He's not even talking about a bucket. He's talking about being submerged in a swimming pool of Himself, where Himself and you become one. Where the color changes of your life. Where your joy is complete. Where never again will it shift on the ropes of sand called this world and the economies and the things of this world. But it's planted on the rock, Jesus Christ. And no matter where the storms might come and go, they are just coming and going. Read that, that illustration, Matthew chapter seven. It's after the house. It wants to destroy the house. Storms might come and go, but the house will stand. And not only will it stand, but it will calm the storm. What caused the man to stand up in a boat and speak to a storm? What caused the man to walk on water, friends? Storms and water in the natural? Come on, it's impossible. See, when you understand this and you read Ephesians chapter six and realize that we're in a war and that there is something called spiritual warfare. And friends, it's not about pulling down suki shiki that stands over some country, friends. It's a lot that happens between our ears. Pulling down vain imaginations and lofty thoughts that raise itself above the knowledge of God. Amen so that we as the people of God can operate in a spiritual realm and in a spiritual reality, friends, that we can change and shift things and orchestrate things according to the will, the plan, and the purposes of God. And no matter what's going on around me, friends, I'm not shaken. I don't operate with those things influencing me. I operate with one king and one influencer. Amen. Shall we stand this morning? I know for some of you know, over the last couple of weeks, I'm, I'm reiterating some things over and over again because I want us to know this morning, and I shared this as well over the last couple of weeks, I'll just share it again for those that are visiting for the first time. My key scripture was 1 Corinthians chapter three, verses one to three, which is said, Paul said, I wish I could address you as spiritual people. But he says, I can't, because you are, I said, carnal or operating in the flesh. But if you understand 1 Corinthians chapter one and chapter two, before he goes into that, the simple reality, friends, is that he's addressing something called wisdom. There is a wisdom of this world and there's a wisdom of God. And those whole two chapters emphasize how the wisdom of this world is folly. It's foolishness. It's leading you 
There's a way that seems right to man, but it ends in destruction. And God's saying, you've got to operate in my wisdom, friends. And God's wisdom is way different. That's why we spiritual people, the cross is folly. To those that are perishing, they don't understand it, friends. The reality of the cross, what it did, friends, for us. We dare not miss this as a people of God because it gives us such power and such authority. I want us just this morning, and it's not something you can lay hands. It's just something that needs to be imparted by the Spirit of God. But I want us to catch an understanding this morning of who we are. I want us to catch an understanding that as spiritual people, friends, as we're sitting here today, if we think, no matter what circumstance or situation that we're facing, if we think, friends, we can try and find wisdom or rush here or put this and that in place, I wanna tell you, even if it works, it ultimately will lead to destruction. Hear me. I got such a revelation, I believe it's from the Lord. Some people, I've bounced it off one or two people, they think I was eating cheese. But the reality is, friends, the prodigal son is a very interesting story. In its simplicity, it's a story about a person who did not want to have their inheritance connected to their father, but wanted to have their inheritance and go and do their own thing, and God gave them their inheritance, and they went and did their own thing. And things look great, and they look lovely, but at the end of the day, it ended up in destruction. Friends, our inheritance is found in God. It's connected to God, it's connected to the Father. It's found in obedience to what He's called us to. I want you to know today that God wants to bless you. God wants to cause His face to so shine upon you that you would be a testimony of the goodness and the grace and the love of God. I believe that with every part of my being but disconnected from the will and the plans and the purposes of the Father, friends. It will lead to destruction. The Father knows that. But His goodness will still let us take our inheritance. I wanna encourage us as a church today, don't take your inheritance if it's separate from the Father. But the inheritance that God wants to give us right now, He's stored up wealth in the wicked for the righteous right now. God wants to do an amazing transfer of wealth in these next days. Friends, as we stand here today, if you just take a step back in your life this morning and have a look at what's going on in the world, you'll realize it's only February and people are acting like absolute hooligans. Traffic is absolutely crazy. People are rushing around, risking, doing a whole bunch of stuff. It's like things have gone nutty. Because we're living in times right now where God is about to launch a whole bunch of arrows, a whole bunch of people that are laden with His treasures, ready to bless and to release His goodness and His life and His grace and His mercy but it's according to His plan and His purpose and His will. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which He prepared beforehand. 
But friends, as I said last week, Friday comes before Sunday. The cross and Calvary comes before Pentecost. You and I have to die to ourselves in order to be raised from the dead and be anointed and baptized in the Holy Spirit and empowered for such a time as this. So Lord, as I bring up every single person here today, just posture your hearts this morning. I don't know what Holy Spirit wants to do, but if you just posture your hearts. I don't know what you've been doing. I don't know what, what kind of situation you've been in. I don't know all your running arounds and you're trying to be clever and fix this and work this out and connect and do this and do that and strive and make this happen and that happen. I'm asking you, I'm begging you this morning to lay it all down. I'm begging you this morning to ask yourself the simple question, when was the last time you even asked God or told God you don't know how to pray? We have got far too many professional prayers in the church today. We've got far too many people that think they know how to pray. When the Bible says you do not know how to pray, you need to ask Holy Spirit. Whatever plans and purposes we've been trying to make happen or trying to cause our life to come right, lay it down. And my cry before you today is to go spend time with Jesus. Go spend time in the fellowship of Holy Spirit Ask Holy Spirit to teach you how to pray. Ask Holy Spirit to download and deposit the will of God. The Bible says, found in John chapter four, where Jesus said a simple statement, friends. He said, I have food that you know nothing about. The disciples were going, what do you mean food? Where did he get food? There's no shop, how did he get it? looking in the natural again. And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of my Father and to accomplish and finish His work. Friends, as you and I quieten ourselves before Holy Spirit, our spiritual food that will nourish and strengthen our spirits, our spiritual food that will divinely enable us here today is to simply bow before the Holy Spirit and say, I wanna eat are from your food, which is to do your will and to accomplish your work. What are you saying? What do you want me to do? And allow Holy Spirit to deposit that, receive it, trust the Lord. He will interpret and He will give you the natural words. And then friends, begin to act on that. Because to know this, that when you begin to do that, the fire of God is released. And fire, friends, fire Woo, is so powerful. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power from on high. Power, friends. God wants to divinely empower you and I this morning, divinely enable you and I to do that which He's called us to do. And friends, when you seek first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, the rest is added. Do you want your bank account to come right? Do you want your 
your relationship, your marriage to come right? Do you want your family to come right? Do you want things to be sorted out, friends? You don't have to go and read this book, rush to the bank, do this, do that, friends. You have to go and quieten yourself before God and the Holy Spirit and ask Him. So as every eye is closed, every head is bowed this morning, I wanna first ask if there's anybody here today who's never given their lives to Jesus Christ. Because what I'm about to pray over the church, I cannot pray for you if you have not given your life to Jesus. Is there anyone? Everybody here has given their life to Jesus. Then I wanna pray over us today and I wanna ask for a fresh infilling and a baptism of the Holy Spirit. I wanna ask for Holy Spirit to come. And if you're seated here today, I wanna tell you that if you feel that you have let God down or you've been on a journey or you've messed up or done this, that, and the other, you are the greatest candidate for Holy Spirit because He's a helper. And if there's anyone here that's got it all right and got it all perfect, then I wanna tell you, you don't need the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit comes to those who are hungry, to those who are thirsty, to those who are crying out, saying, I need help. If that's you today, and I put my hand up, we need help, Lord. We wanna come before you as hungry people and say, God, no more tossed to and fro, no more shaken. But we today stand on the rock, Jesus Christ, our sure foundation. We ask Holy Spirit that you would come fill this house. We ask Holy Spirit that you'd come and fill our lives. We ask Holy Spirit that you would baptize us afresh, completely filled this morning saturated with your life because we need you. We need you to empower. We need you to set a fire. We need your wind to blow because Lord, you've called us to be witnesses. You've called us to demonstrate. We've been transformed. We've been changed from glory to glory. It's not by our own abilities, Lord, it's by the Spirit. For a purpose, Lord God, to demonstrate and to show your goodness to the world around us. Oh Lord, will you come with your liquid fire and your liquid love and will you saturate and fill us, Lord? Will you position us once again Church, just dropping this out, do you know that the greatest thing that you can do when you go into battle is make sure that your position is correct. It's very hard to defeat an enemy that's, or a person or anybody who's in the right position. Lord, we wanna position ourselves this morning for you to come and empower us so that it's not e- we cannot easily be shaken. We cannot easily be moved. We shall not be moved. You divinely strengthen us, as you said earlier on in praise and worship. You are increasing our might and our strength. We were born for such a time as this, Lord God. We were born to be a people of faith and not by sight. We were born 
to live in the realms of God, to live in the position of being seated with Christ in heavenly places. We were born to see. We were born to know. And we were born to transform this world, every circumstance and every situation by faith. I pray today, Lord God, as we get this revelation, that we would begin as the people of God under the power and inspiration of Holy Spirit to begin to look at our circumstances and our situations very differently and begin to declare the promises of God. Friends, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says, we have become divine partakers of His nature. What's His nature? What's God's nature, friends? Bible says, He spoke and it came into being. Holy Spirit hovers and as we declare His Word, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let the Word of God come. Let the Word of God dwell richly inside of us. Let the Word of God be released out of our mouths to change and create circumstances, situations. Let the Holy Spirit bring form to the Word of God as it's released. Because as you release the Word of God this morning, it will not return void. So Father, I just pray over us right now that as we've been filled with Holy Spirit, we've been empowered. That as we walk out of this place, Lord God, we are not the same. That we are full of faith. That we've risen above. That we're above, not beneath. That we can stand and we can look from a heavenly perspective on our circumstances, on our situations. And we can begin to declare the promises of God because the promises of God are yes and all they're needing is you to align your amen to the promises of God and allow the Holy Spirit to come and to create and bring form into your life and into your situation. Lord, enable us divinely by your Spirit this morning to be a changed people, a supernatural, a powerful people, Lord God. An amazing, vibrant group of people and family ready to change and to shift Wherever we go, Lord God, God had the audacity and the beauty and the wonder to say every place that your foot shall tread, I have given it to you. Take that church and go out this week and place your feet in places and begin to declare the word of God. Begin to release Holy Spirit and allow Him to change the circumstances in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, we ask you this in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. And all the people said, amen, amen. Just receive that church. Ask Holy Spirit that you would seal it on our hearts and lives, that we are a changed people. And that we go out with victory into the week.